Hello and welcome to My Shot of Life with your co-hosts, Stephen and Victor. On this week's episode, we will be discussing tribalism. Um, if you're not familiar with tribalism, it's more or less taking sides of an argument or an ideology. Um, and this week we'll be sipping on Blanton's original single barrel bourbon. One of the bourbons we've had in the reserve that we've been wanting to bring out. Victor's got three different types, but today we're going to be doing the single barrel original. Um, later we'll, we will be presenting our recurring segment, Toilet Talk, where today we'll be discussing pooping and farting at the workplace. And to wrap things up for this episode, we will recap our thoughts and ratings on the Blanton's single barrel original bourbon. So Vic, to get start things off, cheers. Get a good sip of this. Ooh. Kicks you a little bit, but it's not bad. I do like that smell. Kind of settles in pretty nice. Has a little a little bit of sweetness. But for yeah, the it most does. Part, it's a straightforward single barrel. Bourbon. Yeah, yeah. I think you can taste like like you're saying maybe like a little bit of citrusy, like an orange type, but it's very faint. Oh, it's like an upfront taste, and the at the end, it's you know, it's straight bourbon. Oh yeah. All right. So getting into tribalism, this is something that um, I've thought about pretty in depth, or at least. I'd like to think I have. Um, I've seen a lot of it recently. Um, I think it's something we're all susceptible to. Right, Vic? I know nothing about tribalism. Okay. So a tribe is whenever I dress up like the cowboy and you dress up like the Indian, and then I'm better than you. Whoa. That's one inappropriate. Whoa, we're talking about sports here. (laughs) But I think that's a good place to start, actually. Sports? No. The cowboys and Indians part. Yeah. Because I think... To understand tribalism, especially like what it is at its core, is to understand that, you know, the word tribe has been used for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. Sure. To describe different um, groups of people together. And so, at its very meaning, tribalism is kind of a coming together of people with, or, or even groups, animals, whatever you want to call them. We call them groups or packs or whatever. Yeah. So, it's that coming together for quote-unquote the greater good of that society so dating back however long the the earth has been around animals and people have come together in a tribe-like manner regardless of whether or not they have similar ideologies they've come together in order to survive right and i think that was probably just the origin of it in itself is that um, a tribe would be your local group of people so this is before structured civilization took place and before we could actually start an economy. It was probably your local five or six people who were out there hunting and fishing and gathering food for the family or for the people that are close to you and then keeping each other safe. So that's probably the, the origins of the tribe is basically just sticking with your tribe through thick and thin no matter what in order to survive. Um, and then we've seen it now evolve is a way to say it. Um, evolve into different topics, ideologies, and um, I don't know what Mind- else. Mindsets. Mindsets, That people sure. might have. I think the three main ones that we'll touch on today are religion, politics, and fanhood for, for things like sports. Yeah. And <laughs> so a couple, you know, very different and drastic topics here. What specifically to you have you seen in, in our life or in our system is tribal. Yeah, I think um, 
to hit on too. I know sports is kind of our bread and butter here, and that's what we're going to stick to our guns in that sense. But to talk about religion and politics a little bit, at least in my experiences uh, growing up as a Roman Catholic, uh, it was extremely interesting to, you know, once you kind of develop that free thought that you're you're going to church and you're going through all of these routines and you have to do this because of this, and that's just the way you're taught and raised, whether it be at home or in church or in Sunday school or whatever it might have been for your religion, going through those motions, and that's exactly what it is, or it was to me at least, was going through the motions. And you think back to the days of the Crusades and these people going through these motions for their specific religious ideologies, you know, both sides of that war were fought with the thinking that they were right. Right, that their religion was the one true religion, I guess. Correct. And so I think the extremism of this idea of tribalism takes place when you put yourself in front of others, like your personal survival in front of others. And so you have these two groups that were putting their personal survival and their beliefs, the beliefs of their tribe, ahead of the survival of everyone just because you believe something different so it's this idea of belief with religion and all religions it's it's belief you know nothing is is uh tangible in the idea of religion it's faith-based right Um, and and i think we could all be accepting of each other's faith right right? not to say that you should not be faithful or even be religious but the fact of acknowledging that someone may have a different ideology than you yeah and so growing up specifically Roman Catholic, not just Catholic, but Roman Catholic, it was really interesting to see, you know, how extreme that could get at times and how you were taught specific things. And, you know, until you actually got out in the world and asked questions, you know, I had friends who were Methodist or Protestant or whatever. And a lot of these are different parts of, or not Catholicism, but Christianity. And so you have under the same blanket yeah, of religion, right. you know, so many different ideas coming in. And so, and I'm sure that's, it's interesting how, I don't know any of the history of how different sects of religion began, but it's funny to see that there are so many denominations of Methodist, Baptist, uh, Latter-day Saints, Lutheran, Luther, Lutheranism. Um, it, I think it's, I mean, it's ridiculous. I imagine there's always a story behind each one. Maybe someone was in a church and then, you know, what if this was actually true instead of that? And, you know, they deviate and create their own church. Again, I don't know anything about this, so that might be complete and utter nonsense, what I'm saying. But that's at least what, to me, what it sounds like had probably happened is that someone maybe did some critical thinking on their own and established their own sect of the religion. Did you, whenever you were in, in uh, I guess, heavy in going to church, did your parents or did anyone at church ever tell you about people in different religions more not not necessarily islam or anything like that but anybody in a different denomination did they ever not warn you but hey well these people believe in that so just you know watch out no there was never any sort of influence like that it was just more so um i guess it was this is what we do it wasn't like this is why we do it it was always this is what you're supposed to do and i think there was a day in church that they changed something up where like no longer are supposed to kneel here you're just supposed to bow your head or something like that mm-hmm. and i was just like wait why like 
who cares? What's the why? Yeah, if, like, if it's been like just for thousands this, of years or hundreds of years or whatever, yeah. and then now today we're gonna do it differently. Yeah, it's and like, like why? I don't understand. Is it just to exert like your power over the congregation and say, okay, this has come down from oh this guy named the Pope. Yeah, and like he said, we have to do this. Well, now. In, the, in the past, I feel like that's been an issue where people in power in those power positions might have manipulated it. I'm sure you can go and do your own research on that. Um, and I do know that popes used to be able to run militaries. And so they obviously fixed that issue because of how much power um, a pope would have over a nation or nations. So that's, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, at, at its very, you know, substance, religion is tribalism. Yeah, tribalism is religion. Uh, I mean, I know when we grew up, we I didn't touch on it or I didn't even ask much whenever I was younger. Like, why are these people, why is there a different church? Um, like, not even a mile down the road, you could walk to the next church. We're in the South, so there's, in the Bible Belt, there's tons of churches in every single county and every town. You know, they're everywhere. Why is there a church here? And then why is there a church over there? Why aren't we all in the same church together? For some reason, I guess I thought about that. I never asked anyone about that. And I felt like I really might have learned something or at least learned something about the people if I would have asked more questions as a kid growing up because it is interesting yeah and those are the things as a kid you don't necessarily care about not to be offensive to anyone yeah I mean whenever you're a kid you're like oh I gotta go to church again yeah yeah exactly (laughs) no offense to anyone who likes going to church it's just when you're a kid you're like oh my god like I could be doing something fun right now I like how you said oh my god and we're talking about (laughs) not wanting to go to church yeah that's not good but uh no I think um with religion, we can kind of put a cap on it, I guess. Uh, I know we have a guest that we'd like to have on in the future whose whole background involves religion. And so if we want to get down that path, I think we definitely want to save some content. I did want to like just bring up that we were always told, any of my parents are listening to this podcast and I'm wrong, call me out on it. That's fine. I'll do a redaction on this whole episode. Uh, that Mormons were, you know obviously wrong i felt like that was kind of implied i don't know if that was ever said specifically but who are they why are, why would you think they're right they've only been around for a few hundred years or a couple yeah. hundred years maybe if Whenever, that what's his name john smith john yeah. granny smith i think um he founded the caramel apple under the tree where he could read tablets <laughs> he could i guess he could read tablets or a plate or something like i don't want to get into that but yeah. you know so mormons who are listening to this sorry sorry for my upbringing sorry for my upbringing but um that's what that's just kind of what we thought or at least our families thought because it was a newer religion and you know why why would it be right if we've been believing this for longer than you so i hate change you know touching on that that was uh, that's a good discussion on the idea of tribalism right religion everybody who at least is involved in their religions it's like you want yours to be right you know yeah and you will support the tribe basically yeah i mean how much free thought is there actually right you were you were raised in it so why else would you want to why why else would you not want to defend it i guess is is my and i think in it's gonna come down i think with all of these with the exception of sports i guess um it's a belief system yeah and everybody is gonna believe what they believe and Mm -hmm. that's just the way the cookie crumbles and so they have their belief and it's supported by these other people and so it's like hey let's hang out with them and go to church well that doesn't mean that you can't deviate or you can't 
Um, you can't leave that belief system. So if you're if you're raised in it, it doesn't mean you can't change your mind about something. Right. But I do think that you are very inclined to stay. Yeah. Once you be, once you become comfortable in that skin around these types of people, you're likely going to stay in, in a system that you think you're accepted. And I think that's a good transition into the world of politics. Being comfortable with something and, you know, you have these other people supporting you in your endeavors with, you know, what you believe. Some politics, factually based, obviously, you know, you can support one thing and not support another. And it's not necessarily your belief. It's just like X harms Y people. And so that is a fact. And so I choose to support the opposite of X, like which helps Y people. Maybe. Sure. But then you could also have have an argument. It's like scientific. That's where... No, 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 no. no, You're right. That's where tribalism is like most extreme. Well, it's not... I'm not necessarily saying... I'm not necessarily saying climate change. I'm just saying pollution as in smog. Smog. You know that... (laughs) The creature from the Hobbit movie? (laughs) Smog. So close. I think that's where they got the name from. Probably. Because he could breathe fire. Could he breathe toxic gas? Dirty and bad. Uh, But... No, no, what I'm saying is that smog in itself for big cities like LA, right? Mm-hmm. And then what's the place in uh Japan that was has so much? Is it Tokyo? Mm-hmm. What's the place where they I know China has a lot. Or was it was it in China where they would have the whole they would have the they day where yeah, you can't they'd use have a any, couple of days where you weren't allowed and then and they would take pictures when the sky was clear. Right, all the smog would just disappear because no burning of oils or uh, I guess fossil fuels or anything. I mean, that's in itself that's crazy. But it would be hard to find someone who's who would be in, in favor of something like s- smog or uh, uh, not smog. <laughs> I love smog. Now I'm like locked in pollution. Smog <laughs> pollution. Yeah. Besides big business, I think yeah, and it's not even that they're pro smog or pro, dang it. It's just they're <laughs> pro they're, pollution. Yeah, yeah. It's that. It either benefits them or yeah. they just don't care. It's, it's it doesn't more of impact, a hassle. Right. It doesn't impact them directly and immediately. And so they don't care. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Because, again, who would be against something that is harmful to all people? No one's in favor of it hurting people, but they're not, I guess, against it because it's harmful to them and their business, yeah. potentially. So that's just an, that's an example of what we're throwing out, but... More specifically, or I guess in a more broader sense, rather, we're looking at staying left or staying right no matter what. Because your side believes one thing, some people tend to feel like they have to adopt those ideologies to say that that they're a part of that party. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Yeah. Why do you have to do that? It's, It's absurd to me. Have some, again, it's that idea of like free thought. Think for yourself. Yeah, think for yourself. Take some responsibility on yourself and then think about the issues and what actually matters to you and if it falls into that category that they believe in okay that's fine cool. but don't pick something just because everybody's picking something that's what i hate the most just like music there's what what do you got group think going on you've got <sighs> confirmation bias you've got all oh that's the worst that's a, I, i'm glad you brought that up yeah. because group think leads into once you get into group think you're like okay this has to be the only way. Then you only find evidence that supports your claim, which is confirmation bias. And it further puts you away from the idea of, or the position of being neutral in most senses. 
because you're only finding information that supports that one belief or that one idea. So it's it's a bad idea for everybody, I think, personally. That's I mean, what, what do you do you think there's any benefit out of that? No. <laughs> I think everybody just needs to like think for themselves. That's what it all comes down to is like going straight to the facts, going straight to the information and not just relying on hearsay or I know. I mean, it's it it's sometimes easier to say it though than actually take the apply time. it. Yeah. Cuz even if I run across an article, that article is likely going to have some bias to it, right? And so I might be susceptible to some uh, subconscious, the way I'm reading it, you know, it's convincing me to believe in this in a way that I didn't think I was believing in it because I might not know I don't have all the information. Right. You know, we talked about opinions before, but the big issue is am I getting all the information and am I comprehending the information that I got? And, you know, to look into it from like a scientific perspective for for every, you know, 10 articles scholarly articles i should say you find on you know proving one theory you'll find five that try to disprove it and may even successfully disprove flat it. earth flat, <laughs> i mean the earth obviously is flat um have you ever seen the earth before <laughs> you know what i never have <laughs> and i don't know if i will maybe you <clears throat> being if we just shrink it into like something really like a marble size we'll know but we won't ever be able to do that marbles are flat there you go so <sighs> from the political perspective i think we saw a ton of that back in what year was it 2016 2016 Gosh, that was so far away. i know sorry 2018 crazy well trump's been in office for almost a full year a couple days from now or well uh, from the day of recording weeks? i should say wait when was it in february he will be no he was inaugurated end of january last oh, okay year. a day that will live in infamy um yeah but, it, I mean, you saw that so much in this election. People just latching on to the extreme ends of the political spectrum and going along with what they heard as opposed, and, and what they read. And, you know, as much as I hate the idea of fake news and, and you know, the attack on the media, mm-hmm. some of that attack was just, in, in, at least I, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. it's just like, the specific outlets regardless you know you have your fox and your cnn those are the two extremes and so they presented what they wanted to present and so the people who already aligned in those areas if you were right on the right you not not right is incorrect (laughs) i am saying if you were on the right of the political spectrum you watched fox news everything you thought was confirmed if you were on the left you watched cnn and everything you thought was confirmed and so that doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I mean, not everyone, but I I get your sentiment is that if you if that's if that's all you want to hear is that you're right, you're going to stay on your side and you're going to listen to it and you're going to listen to it and you're going to reinforce those ideas no matter what. One of the one of the big terms that came out of this election was echo chamber. And that is exactly what you're saying is that you're reinforcing your ideas you're listening to the same people spit the same stuff day in, day out, and then it just gives you more of a confirmation bias on what you're believing, yeah. right? And you're sticking to your tribe. That's your safety net. You know, what we're trying to say is venture out, keep an open mind in what you read and what you see. Maybe you don't tweet right away. 
yeah. uh, because there's already bad examples out there. So don't be the bad example. Put it in your drafts folder. <laughs> Although even though Twitter can read that, yeah, even though Twitter can read everything <laughs> in your drafts, every DM you've ever sent. So watch yourself. Uh, yeah, and you guys can look into that as well. Twitter um, talked about how they have access to everything on your profile, which you know read your terms of service as well, which yeah. no one does. And yeah. the two people at this table the, definitely have not done. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the way I look at it, I knew what I was getting into when I got on Twitter. And I absolutely yeah, I love Twitter. And I don't care. Like, I mean, if they want to stare at naughty pictures of me, like, go for it. What are you going to do? Ruin my life? Because I sent very appropriate messages in a DM. <laughs> oh, is that sarcasm? Yes. Very sarcastic. I've never done anything like that before. All right. So again, <laughs> to reinforce what we're saying, read and discuss. Don't argue. You know, one of the best quotes I read the other day, maybe not, not even heard or read, but I think I heard it on a video. It was, don't ever go into a conversation where you're trying to win the conversation. Mm. And to me, it resonates to me because there are times where I feel like I'm on, I'm on the defensive right out the gate. And instead of being on the defensive, listen to what that person has to say and then just take it in. And I, I mean, it's, it doesn't mean that you can't challenge that person, I don't think. But don't don't make it that you're, I don't know, don't be aggressive about it maybe. I, I don't know really the best way to put it in words. Yeah. Don't, I think, and part of that is I like like a probing method when I'm conversing with people for the fir- either the first time or non-invasive probing, I should preface. When you're conversing either the first time or with someone and you're talking about, you know, their opinion or certain ideologies or beliefs and you question things in a respectful manner. You don't question, why do you believe this? It's more along the lines of, I guess, asking like I said, those probing questions and, and finding out how they got to think in the way that they currently think about Oh, so what subject. led you to believe? Yeah, and it's part of its tone of voice, too, where yeah. you don't want to offend them. You just want to you want to learn. You need to go into the conversation, like Stephen said, not challenging them, not trying to win the conversation, but trying to understand the person you're having the conversation yeah. with. I mean, everyone's got their own belief and their own ideas. Doesn't mean they're wrong. Doesn't mean you're right. I'm always right. <laughs> well, our third part of this discussion, um, Mr. Wright, sports, um, and how bad Pittsburgh sports are. Dude. Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> we'll, we'll probably get into that at some point, but... I mean, we can get it to right because now. Because I, I just suck. recently had a tribalism revelation in the world of Pittsburgh sports. Oh, that you that you abandoned the tribe. I have. Too not, bad you're not, 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 the bad tribe, you're not a not Cleveland the tribe, yeah. Indians <laughs> fan because that would be perfect. Literal tribe, yeah. not the Cleveland Indians, but a different team. The Pirates. Yeah. You uh, Rightfully so. They disrespect their fans in a sense that they just don't care about them. They don't. They, they refuse don't. to spend money. And so I, I've, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I wasn't born there, but I was raised there and grew up around the sports, and my parents are from there. And so I've always loved the idea of the tribal Pittsburgh sports fan is, you know, it is, they say people bleed black and gold and Pittsburgh is one of the few cities with major league sports teams that all have the same color scheme of black and gold or black and yellow. And, um, 
they say, oh, we bleed black and gold. And, uh, you know, it, it was something I grew up with. And over time, I came to realize that some people were, it's a little much for some people. But I loved baseball. I played it growing up. And um, just really enjoyed watching the Pirates. They were terrible, absolutely terrible for almost my entire life. Up until like 2013, they made the playoffs for the first time almost in my lifetime. They made the playoffs, I think, when I was two years old and then when I was like 22 years old. So it was a long time. But, uh, you know, I stuck with them through losing seasons. I would have season tickets while I was in college because the the uh, stadium was so close to where I went to school. And so, you know, you stick with them. And I loved watching them in the playoffs. And they throw out these pretty solid players and, and make decent runs at the playoffs. And, you know, this year was the final straw for me. They they signed a guy, Andrew McCutcheon, one of the best in the game, both a player and as a person. He's done wonders for the city of Pittsburgh. And uh, it it was frustrating because, especially for him, you know, as a fan, great. But for him, they signed the guy to a, you know, decent contract. He probably could have made more. But they tell him, you know, we're going to build a team around you. We're going to spend money to build a team around you. And they never did. A few days ago, yeah, they trade their number one starting pitcher and Andrew McCutcheon and get crap prospects back and it's like what are you doing so i've officially abandoned so i have to ask you then um i mean i'm a, I'm a big sports fan too but since you are actually going through this process what makes you so invested in something that you have you have no purpose in yeah if that makes any sense you know? well i will ask you the same question in a different manner in a little bit but okay for me born into it <clears throat> You're born into that belief system and and things differ along the way. I grew up an Alabama Crimson Tide fan, which is terrible to say now because you think, oh, bandwagon fan. Right, immediately. But I was was literally born, you know, Mm -hmm. 45 minutes outside of Tuscaloosa. So that's kind of where I was. Was your dad a football fan at that point? My dad was a football fan. um, And in Alabama, there are no professional football teams so you could argue that yeah alabama Bleed crimson red. tide are pretty much uh professional but it's beside the point so i grew up you know with black and gold in my blood in pittsburgh and my parents are from there and so it was just kind of ingrained from birth i would say i did go through a phase where i was younger i have an older brother and he was a steelers fan at the time he is now currently a Browns fan. Don't ask me. Ooh. I don't know oh, how man. or why he would do that to himself. He just Probably likes losing. Just, just to be different. Um, he's he's one of the special people who like to be outside of the tribe. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing, too. I think you uh, maybe you get so accustomed to the tribe, you're like, this is getting kind of repetitive. Yeah. You know, maybe Try I can something just venture new. something out and be different and find a new tribe that is more accepting of me. What do you think about being in a tribe... But then being the lower, like at the bottom of the totem pole on the tribe, do you think that would lead you to be more susceptible to exiting? And then that's why something like that happens? I guess I'm struggling to understand. I mean, me as like a fan, especially one who doesn't even live in the general vicinity of Mm -hmm. the Pirates currently, I would say played a factor. Uh, That was one of my reasons that I told you 
for changing my baseball affiliation from the Pittsburgh Pirates to I'm taking my talents to to the DC to the DC area. Go Nats! Um, you heard it here, guys. <laughs> live, uh, well, actually not live, but recorded. <laughs> this is in January 2018. Victor, if he's not a Nationals fan next year, we will shame him. Yeah, online. And over the podcast. So I'm now a Washington Nationals fan. Part of that is uh, through my current job takes me to D.C. a decent amount. And I've actually been to more Nationals games than I've been to Pirates games over the last three or four years. It just kind of made sense for me. They had a, a guy out of NC State get drafted there. And he's come up through the ranks and played really well for them so, as well. So, so clearly sports mean a lot to you. They do. You've watched it since you were a kid. You grew up in the area of your favorite teams, and then so you hold some allegiance to this team. But why? So part of it is sunk cost. (laughs) I think that's a good point. Actually, that's a really good point. Easily, out of all the Pittsburgh sports teams, the Pirates would have been the most to lose. Yeah. Because you watch them lose for so long and stand by them, and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden. Well, you know what? It makes it that much better when they win. It, it really does. I agree. You go Those through the hard times. Years yeah. Were, it's you know, the most exciting. Because when your team is winning year in and year out. So if you're an Alabama fan right now, your expectation is to be in the championship, the championship or at least in the playoff every year. What kind of expectation is that on your team? That's that's a big expectation. It is. So for someone who goes through a hardship of losing season through a decade or many decades... It makes it so much stronger, and it, the I would say even the bond can be tougher between people who lose a lot and then have that big win as opposed to those people who just win consistently. You look at Dodgers fans. <laughs> I, I, just, I, don't, I don't know anything about Dodgers fans, but, I mean, there's I guess you could even make the argument Alabama fans now. There's probably tons of people who are like oh i love alabama oh they're so good unc basketball oh they're so good oh my god um from north carolina i love them because they win all these games but when they lose where are you at where you at you here i don't see you on twitter where you at? Are you at walmart getting your t-shirt actually yeah <laughs> I, you ain't I, here. I, do, I do see them on twitter blaming the referees consistently them and the, unc and duke fans are especially and literally every single person in the nfl with the exception of Patriots fans, blame the referees. <laughs> Would you say that they benefit from that for some reason? Uh, yeah. No, I think we're we're deviating a little bit from the tribe, and then say, and then we're kind of backing that you that being in a tribe is fun. Uh, but sports is so unique in the idea of tribalism, though. Well, it is because I wonder if it's a substitute. If it's a substitute for what the consequences of tribalism would be outside of sports. Yeah, I mean, you have, I mean, it's not, you are not personally impacted by the results of sports, unless you're betting on them, but <laughs> yeah, don't do that, it's illegal most of the time. Um, personally, it's your escape. You can go and escape the real world with other people who are like-minded and believe in a team and support a team, and so, you know, win or lose you're going to have that support group with you and it's not going to impact. You're going to be sad for like a day, right? Oh no, the team lost the championship. Okay. I mean, that might last longer depending on if you're a Pirates fan or not. Yeah. (laughs) We haven't had any championships. Well, yeah, but if you were in the championship to lose, it would probably hurt. Um, Unless, unless it felt great to just be there. 
I mean, I was a Red. I mean, I am a Red Sox fan. Not was. And that's where I wanted to turn that question back on to you. So having basically no affiliation with the Red Sox. You mean by never living in Boston? Yeah, ever like in my life. Sports in, like at their very core, are a location-based game or location-based tribe, I should say, where you're born or where you're raised or whatever. It represents... It represents you. You and, and your city. your sports team. And, and the people that live in that city. Yeah, and so, you know, I adopt a secondary team in hockey because I now live in Raleigh, and so, yeah, okay. I want to support the Canes. Cool. Yeah. That's great. But you, born and raised North Carolina, mm-hmm. Boston Red Sox fan. Boston Red Sox. And, man, I mean, that's... I think that's a good question, but again, I'd have to pull the answer out from you is that I was raised a fan, even though you happen to be in the area, it was the same for me where my dad just watched the games, loved the team and, and I just followed them. It was more, I think it was more of a bonding thing. So whenever you, I grew up playing baseball a little bit and we would watch it because that's what we would do in our spare time was watch games or having that be one of those things that brings us together. It, I think it meant a lot to me growing up. And my mom even remarried a guy who was a Red Sox fan. So she, um, I guess she apparently was into uh, Boston Red Sox baseball too. Uh, Big enough that she had to find another guy who was. I was lucky enough to have a mom or two moms and two dads who were both into Boston Red Sox baseball. Uh, And I had that growing up with me or me growing up with them rather I was able to experience all these games together with them. We would even go out to Boston, and we would go to Baltimore. We would go up into Florida, uh, different states, just to watch the Red Sox play. And to me, it just felt like it was a it was a way to connect with my family. We could talk stats, and we could talk the game, and we could hate on the Yankees together. And, I, and that's something that I thought about too: was the group hate of another team. Is it a real? true hatred or is it actually just a game that we're playing in our in like in our own lives i think that's one of the more remarkable things is i've always considered myself a rational person and i'm sure a lot of other people do as well but sports is one of those things that can bring out the absolute worst in people and so i think there is a genuine hatred when you when you look at you know certain people within the tribes there are you know, the extremists and the people who know how to dial it back. Um, right, the ones who will run their mouth the entire game. Yeah. And then those who will casually give you some shit the next day and as a joke. And Absolutely. Definitely one of my favorite things. And that's, <laughs> you know, a lot if of you're going to do that, you have to go in with the understanding that you've got to be able to take it, too. Yeah, um, that can become an issue. But those are rational sports fans, Stephen. I would say so. I mean, we have seen some diehard sports fans who... A little bit over the edge. Oh, yeah. I've seen some crazy Snapchats. But but the I think the craziest thing is people who, and I'll, I'll even bring up soccer, because soccer ends up being the most the tribal more, sport, yeah, in absolutely. my opinion. I don't know much about cricket. I know cricket's a very big sport across other countries that might get pretty rowdy, too. But soccer in particular, I mean, there are stadiums where you have to leave right when the game's over with, and then the other team, the away team, has to stay in the soccer stadium for another hour. Yeah, flanked on both sides by the stewards. And they hire, like, for rivalry games, they'll hire, like, more people to watch the crowd. Right, so no one's getting hurt. in the the crowd to block people off. I mean, that's where it gets a little bit ridiculous. I mean, I think what's crazy, too, so 
couple years ago, we went to a friendly match in uh, in the D.C. area. It was the USA against Peru. And in the upper deck, there were two separate supporters groups for like two different Peruvian domestic teams. They were there to support their country, right, playing the United States. But they could not set aside their domestic differences because they supported different <laughs> squads. They fought in the stands in the oh, upper deck no. and had to be broken up. Just those two people. No, not they, people, groups. Groups. There were groups of different so sects of that country. Yeah, there were sections. D- domestic clubs within Peru. You know, like Who were both supporting the Peru national team. They were supporting team. the national team, but, but they, they were, supported <sighs> different domestic clubs within Peru. That's insane. And they decided to fight each other. And the U.S. people were probably just shaking. Where they should have come together to support their country. Come on, right? So that's the same thing as as uh, the LA Galaxy and the the Newark team, Denver Broncos. (laughs) No, (laughs) the LA Galaxy and some other the Red Bulls. Yeah, New York Red Bulls. Is that right? Sure. So that's like them being in the sands and then looking at each other and be like, "Well, screw you." You believe in that? Uh, you like that team? Oh well, even though we're here to support the USA, and we're gonna that fight. That makes no sense. Yeah, Zero makes sense. no sense. But hey, man, um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I did read read a very prolific quote today. Um, that another I wanted. one. You've already laid one on us. Did I? Yeah. Let's do um, another one. Bring it on. I don't know what the other one was, but this one. Oh yeah, I, I, I don't try to. Yeah, got it. Got it. Okay, so today I read one from. Professor of University of Virginia. So one of our rivals, or one of our ACC opponents. opponents. Um, Jonathan Haidt, so if I'm saying this wrong, I apologize. Um, His quote was, Morality, by its very nature, makes it hard to study morality. It binds people together into teams that seek victory, not truth. It closes hearts and minds to opponents, even as it makes cooperation and decency possible within groups. That's excellent. Yeah, so comparing morality to tr- tribalism, same thing. It brings together, like, you, you have the same... I mean, we get the, this dopamine rush when our team wins, and we get free, we freak out, and, you know, we feel a part of this whole group, but then it also closes us out to certain ideologies that exist outside of our circle. Yeah. How would you say, if, if we're going to close this segment out, I know we can dig in a lot deeper than this. For the sake of time... Would you say that tribalism is overall a benefit to society or a detriment? That's a great question. Currently, I believe it to be a detriment, but I believe we would not be where we are today and in an advanced society that we are now without tribalism. Okay. I'll have a little bit longer answer because I think I think it's almost impossible to answer that question. Um, by having so much tribalism, if everything was tribal, it'd be my country versus your country, my beliefs versus your beliefs, and we could go back to um, the wars that you were bringing up. We're fighting over ideologies, and our thoughts are superior to yours, and so you won't switch your thought process or what you believe in to mine, I'll annihilate you, right? And that's an extreme version of that. But then on the other side, if you don't have some sort of loyalty to a tribe that you exist in, I don't know if you have any loyalty at all. What are you waking up every day fighting for? Right. What is your purpose? So we'll leave you with that one. Boom. 
um, and segue into the poop mobile driving down the road to the I toilet like yeah. talk. Poop mobile <laughs> into toilet talk. <laughs> okay. Uh, today's toilet talk is brought to you by Depends. Sometimes you gotta poop. It just depends. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Also, uh, <laughs> they're not a sponsor. They're not. A, sorry, depends. But but if it if it paid off, I want some of that cash money. You yeah, know what I'm saying? If any toilet related company. If the sales boost as these podcasts are released and we see a spike in, in toilet paper place. activity. I'm talking like ply goes up, more ply purchases go up. <laughs> we get nice toilet seats, you know, where the squatty potties. I want to see some cash, I need and some I want back. we need to get like a for all the followers out there. We don't have names for you guys yet. You know, the, maybe write like an essay, show like a bar graph, show us something. No, a line graph would be better. Let's see some like activity of like uh, uh, toilet sales increasing in the local. Uh, RDU area but anyways going to our topic we're talking about pooping at work pooping and farting that's right and your stance so this is it's tough it's it's a tough thing I think we can start with farting because it that just seems to be more you know you're surrounded by people more often when that is occurring oh man um, and we work in an area where there's I guess cubes yeah. in a sense and you've got a lot of people, and you're occasionally in conference rooms with people, mm. and in oh, meetings, and in the worst is when you're offices. at a client site. Yeah, and at a client site, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I I am of the belief that you know you got to know your own body. So I know when I've got some gas developing, whether or not it's going to be, uh oh, stinky, <laughs> what, <laughs> or it's going to be like, you know not so bad i can let this out no one's even gonna know so i know my body pretty well i know things that you know make gas inside of me (laughs) so like i avoid eating those things on a pretty regular basis when i know i'm going to be around people Uh, so my philosophy is to hold it in as long as you can you know step out of the room a lot of folks will um, at least in my experience going into public restrooms you know, you're sitting there at a urinal doing your business, and all of a sudden you just hear someone let it rip from the urinal, the urinal rip next to you, and it's like they were holding that in the whole day. All day, dude. And they then it just wanna, reeks. Yeah, they didn't oh, want to disrupt man. their you know, work environment and but, the people around them, so they... I mean, we could even get into using the, using the bathroom at work or passing gas in the bathroom at work. I mean, that's even... Fart at a urinal in the bathroom. I'm not going to lie. Some of the funniest, like, things that have <laughs> happened to me at work, I, I, like, I can't help but laugh. I don't know why it's so funny, but even though, you know, you're in an area where you would, you would expect it, it kind of still surprises you when someone farts at a urinal at work. Yeah. And you're just like, damn, that was, that was pretty good. <laughs> like, that's, that's funny. I think it's that. It, what makes it a little funny as well. Not Farting is hilarious in general. I mean, we haven't discussed this yet, but but farting will, has been, and always will be funny. Um, Unless it happens to you and you're like the president or something and you fart into a microphone. Dude, that would actually be really funny. But, but, like, you have that shared thought of like, 
you know, and you know they know they've been holding that fart in all day. Oh, yeah. And they finally get into the bathroom, and they're like, screw this. Bam, and they just let it out. Dude, and when you get real squirmy at the desk, you ever see somebody getting squirmy, and you know they got a fart. And they're trying to just, like, pinch it off. Because, like, if you lift that leg up, you can kind of seep it out. I'm getting a little bit detailed here, but... You can just let it seep out, right. and then no one's going to know. But then if you lift that leg up, you know, if someone's staring at that leg, they know what's going on. Oh, yeah. But those tend to be the real bad ones. Speaking of knowing what's going on, you know, pooping at work. You're uh, surrounded by other I people, don't like right? It. I don't I, like it. Absolutely. You're out of your comfort mm-hmm. zone. You're not in your normal toilet situation, especially going to different clients. Oh, no. Because we've gotten used to the ones that we have in our office. Yeah, but still. It's still weird. Okay. So I'll I'll bring this up. I, there's like a I don't have a formal list of th- requirements that are necessary for me to use a bathroom in a client, but I can tell you off the top of my head what I would deem reasonable for me to use the bathroom. And if it's if it is a single bathroom door that you can lock, then you're golden. And we talked about toilet height, t- toilet height, toilet height before. But if it's a tall toilet seat. I don't know, man. That's tough, too. But but for me, if you have the privacy of closing a door and locking it and cutting the fan on, you're good. I don't care if you know I'm in there or not, but I can be quiet, or like at least I can drown out the sound. But when you're at a place like it, and there's stalls at work that you go into, and you are inches away from your foot potentially touching someone else's foot, or even knowing that someone else is in the stall beside you or me dude that freaks me out i don't like that at all i do not like thinking or knowing that someone is in the same room as me while i'm pooping hate it absolutely Absolutely hate it now i will say we used to work in this old office that had its own individual stalls with doors and walls and i'm not talking like little plastic walls that separate each other but i'm talking walls so you could potentially hear the person next to you, but you couldn't. You couldn't like touch. There's no way to touch them because the wall is at the bottom. Yeah, walls All the way to the bottom that went floor to ceiling. But you could lock your door. There yep. was a window pane, but no one could way see. At the top, yeah. No one could see you. Yeah, it was golden. It I was, mean, it was great. It was pretty amazing. There were, you know, varying seat heights, and I know we talked about this already. Within yep. the individual rooms, you could yeah. even call. So them. that plays a role, but pretty great farting at work though keep mm. it keep it to yourself that's that's my it's tough though man because like for rule. me at least when i go to fart sometimes it's like i'm only sitting down and like when i'm in that position i have to fart but if i stand up i won't have to fart anymore so if i stand up and walk out to fart it won't happen <laughs> so <laughs> i get back sit back down in the chair two minutes later i feel it bubbling up again what's gonna happen do i just let it go and take that risk I'm going to take that risk. And then I'm going to look at that person looking at me and being like, why'd you fart? (laughs) (laughs) Just stare him down. Did it seep out at you because it didn't? All right. So what about emergency situations? Oh, if it's emergency, then you can run. I think think there's no pressure. It's just going to come out. So you're just trying to find a bathroom. Yeah, you just got to go. Yeah, that's a little bit different. Now, I'm not talking about, oh, man, what is this movie called with uh, Ewan McGregor in it? Train spotters. Train spotters. That bathroom, disgusting. You seen that? Yep. Oh, I don't know about pooping there, but 
I mean, I guess if you had to, you could. But I think if it's if it's like just gonna if it's gonna shoot out of you, any bathroom's good. Totally agree. Just gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Right? Well, there you go. That's our take on the subject. Um, as we're ending our podcast, we wanted to throw out a couple of dif- different future segments that we're considering and and uh, have been working on, at least thinking about. Um, we do have fake movie pitches and commercials coming to you. Absolutely. We're still trying to determine what we're going to call these segments, but for the most part, we have an idea of what they're going to involve. So fake movie pitches and uh, commercials for products. We've got uh, a get off my lawn segment, which is the old man uh, wisdom of the day. Old man wisdom of the day. You know, back in my day, maybe we'll call it back in my day or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like I think there's a podcast called Back in My Day, though. But it's going to be know. along the lines of, if you're familiar with fan, Family Guy, uh, Peter Griffin becomes a news anchor oh, and yeah. has a segment called Grind. Uh, what grinds you know what my really gears? grinds my gears? Yeah. And so it's going to be along those lines, and we're just going to do quick offs of like complaining of something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We, also, we love to complain. <laughs> as we mentioned with our. Uh, first uh, official episode where we talked about opinions um with aaron and and the need to episode or zero. not a need to have an opinion but does everyone have to have an opinion do you have to have an opinion on everything and so we're gonna have one line opinions where we have uh. a subject and we throw the subject out there in the form of a question and you have five words or less to give your opinion on that thing and these are all uh, ideas that we've been spitballing recently if you like the ideas if you like what we're doing now want to see more of that or want to see something different let us know on twitter let us know on i don't know what else what other whatever instagram if you uh want to give us some recommendations or some critiques we know we're very accepting of that comment wherever you can contact us via the website yeah um and on the website We'll have a new segment coming at ya called The Drunken Rambler, where we will go on tangents. We will be rambling about certain topics uh, uh, just as a drunkard would do. Yeah, so maybe after a few beers, I'll sit down in front of a computer and then just talk about my thoughts. Little blurbs on life. <laughs> so the grammar might be terrible. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Absolutely. Having to decide if we want to go through a a secondary review process for that or just to let it fly and then just see how obnoxiously bad it sounds. Oh, I like that idea. Obnoxious <laughs> and bad. So thank you guys for supporting the podcast and giving us a listen. Uh, if you feel so inclined, please rate and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps drive our popularity. Don't forget to give us a follow on social media at my shot of life on Twitter and Instagram. And check out our YouTube channel, where in addition to iTunes and Stitcher, we will be posting our episodes every week. Feel free to reach out to us through our various outlets with comments and suggestions on future episode topics, as well as different drinks to try and to rate. MyShotOfLife.com is the place to see us. Oh man, you know what I totally forgot? I know you just did your sign off. Oh gosh. We didn't even review the whiskey. We didn't. Dude. <laughs> I'm glad I brought that up because <laughs> people might be drilling us about this. What do you think about it? I like Blanton's. It's, uh, it is the first 
bourbon that I drank that got me into drinking bourbon. It's not as harsh as some bourbons sure. are. Um, it's not as sweet as I normally like a bourbon to be. Yeah. But it is what at least opened my eyes um, to the dark liquors. I will say that after drinking that apple dog, man, <laughs> I think <laughs> I don't think anything can get as sweet as that. And that was some of the, the sweetest and not sweet in a good way <laughs> whiskey that I've ever had. Absolutely. Now, this Blanton's was... With most whiskeys that I drink, I feel like once I get it diluted a little bit and the ice starts melting, that's when the flavor starts coming out more. And I liked it. I really did. And remember, folks, the proper way to drink whiskey and bourbon is whatever way you like. Exactly. Don't let anybody tell you you can't get it on the rocks. You have to drink it neat. Don't let anybody you can't add tell you you can't add a little water to it like you do with Vanilla. the good scotch. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't add straight vanilla, but <laughs> drink it how you want to drink it. Don't fall to the tribalism of those pretentious there you go, man. bourbonites. Way to wrap that up, Vic. Um, I think we would both recommend this this whiskey um, if you're at the store. I give it a 4.5. Go and get you a handle or, 4. or, 6. or a, what do you want to call that thing? A grenade? Yeah, <laughs> it looks like the, a... The, bo- the shape of the bottle definitely looks like a glass like a grenade. grenade. Uh, it can be tough to find. Um, it is an extremely popular bourbon. Make sure to ask the people at the desk or the counter, rather, if they have it in the back or, uh, like if you don't see it on the shelf, um, or get on a list that you can potentially, if you build up a good enough rapport, have them call you when they get it in. Nice. So befriend your local ABC person. Which to those of you outside of North Carolina, ABC is the liquor store. Yep. All right, guys, we're signing off. I'm Steven. And I am Victor. And always remember, drinks are always better with friends. <laughs>